Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I'm going to read you something not too lengthy. Um, It's Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 out of the ESV. Uh, Turn around to someone and tell them, God's got your back. Last week we talked about if you want God to have your back, you have to give him your past. Right? Remember that? How many of you remember last week's message? If you want God to have your back, you must give him your past. And the longer you delay giving him your past, the longer you delay stepping into your future. So, so this week, we're going to be talking about something different and a different approach. And it reads in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 through 4, it says, The plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, I'm going to specify this really quickly right now. What this scripture is actually saying is, the plans of the heart belong to man. Now, God has a plan. But what God desires us to do, he desires us to interpret his plan and execute the plan. So we work the plan out. But the Bible says it is our responsibility to work out the plan. But it also says, but the answer of the tongue comes from the Lord. In other words, when you need the blessings of God, you need to speak it when God gives it to you. The blessings of God come from the Lord. So you need to bless the Lord and you need to agree with what's God, what God is doing in your life. The power of life and death is in where? It's in your tongue. So the answer comes from the Lord. So do you do the research. So all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord, again, here it is, the Lord weighs the spirit or the heart. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. In other words, when it says commit your works to the Lord, it's actually saying that Make sure that your purpose is God's purpose. Make sure that your intent is God's intent. Make sure that you're thoughtful and mindful of the will of God for your life. I can tell you right now, there's a number of people that God has ordained and planned to raise up as kings. Kings are financial provisionaries for the kingdom of God. There's a number of people that God is moving on to raise up as priests. People with ministries that were meant to be visionaries. Remember the scripture says that he's called us all to be kings and priests in the combination of two. So you can be blessed and prosper in the plans and you can be blessed and prosper in your spirit. In fact, that's the plan of God. As your soul prospers, everything else prospers, right? So the scripture says the Lord in verse 4 has made everything for its purpose even the wicked for the day of trouble. God has a purpose for every single one of you. And here's the context for today. Here's the subject matter. We talked about giving God your past. This Sunday, we're talking about giving God your future. Giving God your future. Listen, 
He has a plan for you. He has a way for you. And there's no way you can fail or be a failure in God's plans. You are going to succeed. You are going to do well. You're going to see God move in your life. His future, your future are one and the same. Your future, if you allow him to, if you allow yourself to put it in his hands, I'm telling you, everything's going to change for you in your life. Are you ready for that? Lord, give us a revelation today. God, give us a deeper understanding. God, make it simple, make it plain. And Lord, so we can run in Jesus' name. And somebody say, amen. Now turn around to somebody, look at them right in the face and tell them again, God said he's got your back. And you can be seated this Sunday morning. Amen. Only if you're happy and only if you're smiling. Are you feel t- How many of you feel tired? Is the cafe closed? Cafe is closed. Sorry. I was going to say, send him a shot. Send him a shot. Thank you for being here if you're feeling tired. It's summertime. You have late hours from now and no school. You're up with the kids. And, and I thank God for every person who makes it during the summer. Um, thank God for that. Thank you for being here today. Now, let me begin by saying, trusting God with your future doesn't mean we don't plan. I'm just going to jump right into it. Trusting God with your future doesn't mean you don't plan or don't have to plan. Planning is necessary. Uh, Planning and being strategic is very necessary. God, if God wanted to, God could have formed everything not in seven days or six days. He could have done everything in just one. He's God, right? He could have just said, let there be everything, and there would have been. But he took time to stretch it out and put it in an orderly fashion because that was going to be relevant to us. And on the seventh day, God rested from his works. That seventh day represented the Sabbath. And that Sabbath interpreted in the new covenant is actually a place where it encourages all of us. If God ceased from his works... So we should also cease from ours and rest in his presence. Or in other words, trust him. So we live in the Sabbath now. God did the ultimate work. It's it's amazing, and I don't want to get off track, but it comes to me as I'm talking to you, and I have to tell you, you know, six is man's number. How many of you know that number six is, that's man's number? And, And God did the work through man, the man Christ Jesus. And, and, the, and seven is God's perfected number. So on the seventh day, or after God did the work, the humanity through his nature in the earth in the New Testament, God gave himself and gave all humanity rest by giving his spirit out. By giving his spirit out. But trusting God is really relevant to resting resting men are responsible for the house to lead the home i believe that whether you believe that or not it don't matter really be quite honest with you did really it really doesn't matter what i think it matters what the bible says right but it says it in the bible that men are supposed to lead and so and so men inherently you've been given you've been given this god nature about making sure the bills are paid, making sure your children are provided for, uh, making sure that things are occurring the way God intended them to do. 
and provide for his, your family through his word. And so now, now we, we take that responsibility and think that, okay, this is all about us. It's all on me. Not according to the scripture. According to the scripture, it's all on God. According to the scripture, it is God's responsibility, but it's your responsibility to follow him. And the scripture gives us a promise and said, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. So, so we lose sleep at night thinking, okay, this has got to work out this way. What if the, you know, what if my business doesn't make it? What if the finances doesn't come? What if this and what if that? Hold on a second. It is not our jobs to worry about tomorrow. It is our jobs to give praise to God for today. And thank him for what's going to happen tomorrow by faith. There are, there are a few things that I've learned that successful businessmen do before they go to bed at night. One of them is they, they write out a strategy for tomorrow, and then they leave it there. You know, you, you may have a short memory, but a pencil can have a long-term memory for you. And, and the paper can hold that burden. That's why I think it's good to write your goals and write your dreams and put them on something so you don't have to have them up here constantly thinking about them because I'm driven by values, not by vision and not by mission. So every one of us have, have been given promises from God that are supposed to be inherently driving us. But everything that you feel like God has placed inside of your heart, I want to encourage you, keep a journal, write it down. Put it on paper. You'll forget it, and then you'll struggle with trying to remember it. And remember one thing above all things, God's got your back. It is not fully your responsibility. God wants to carry you. He said, all of you who labor, all of you who are weary, all of you that are out there, he said, come to me, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. So, thank you, Lord. That, that, that's, I feel a release from the rest part. That was not in my notes, but that was for somebody. Learn to trust him. As you read this scripture, there's a great truth in that, that we are not, suffi we are not sufficient within ourselves. Um, it speaks of things. It speaks of ourselves as that, that it, you know, we think of ourselves as being wise and good, but that, that, all, that all right there doesn't measure up to God's sufficiency sufficiency in who he is and what he can do because at sometimes we feel capable other times we feel incompetent but above all things when we learn to and understand that it's his it's his gig right he's in charge of my life he gave me breath he gave me these talents he gave me and blessed me with this job or this business so so at some point he's going to have to be involved with this and i want to tell you jesus wants to be your ceo he does in your life. He wants to be your mentor for your family. I mean, listen, we come to church because we want to maintain our relationship with Jesus to be better people, right? I mean, am I the only one that, wants, that, that knows he needs Jesus? I need Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I am not ashamed and I'm not afraid to tell you that if I didn't have Jesus, I would be a mess. I wouldn't be a good husband. Husband, I said husband. I would not be a good daddy. I would not be a good employee. I would be a mess. 
I will be filled up with sin. Stop looking at me. Look at you. I will be filled up with sin. I would be off track someplace. I would be probably be have been put in jail already. But you see, because I'm weak, now I am strong because I come to him. I need him. I need him. I, I'm just going to tell you, I just believe this. I believe real men cry and worship Jesus. That's right. But the Spirit of God works inside of me according to Philippians 2 and 13. For the grace of God inside of me wills and it wills and to do of his good pleasure. It's something that God wants to do inside of us. But most of us would read that passage about the preparation of the heart is in men. And we read this in the answer of the tongue. And we don't make the correlation. Because we all know that we are all guilty of making our own plans. But when that plan coincides with the will of God, you have a responsibility once the plan is in place by God and you know your purpose and direction. It's very easy to find. You just have to take time to find it. Number one, this is the key for everything what we do. I wholeheartedly believe before you do anything, Every one of us need to climb up that one mountain to get to that place in the pinnacle called the will of God. And once you get there, going down hills, going down the mountainside is a lot easier. Once you find the will of God, then you have clear direction for your life. Climbing a mountain is really comprised of two, two, uh, two experiences, going up the hill and then going down the hill again. Completely conquering a mountain is just as dangerous to go down a mountain than it is to go up a mountain. But when you've conquered a mountain, it requires going up. I tell people all the time, if you help us push this cart up the mountain, you get to ride it going down. You have to believe, number one, that God has a better plan for you. God has a better plan. So when God says he's going to do something, he's going to give you the plan. But the plan has to be spoken out of your mouth. Do you remember what God told Joshua? How many of you remember what God told Joshua? He said, if you want good success, he said, never. He already knew the plan, right? The plan was to go into the promised land, to conquer Jericho, right? That was the plan. So it was his responsibility to wait for the plan. So God gave him the plan. The plan was go around Jericho seven times, and on the seventh day, you know the rest of the story. Give a loud shout. But prior to that, we know the shout brought the results, but there was works that were involved. There was a plan. But God told Joshua, he said, if you want to have good success, never let this word, my plans, my methods, my ways depart from your mouth. In other words, speak them while you are doing them. You are releasing God's authority and God's spirit from your life into what you are doing. That's if you have a prayer life, if you have a relationship. Even then, with obedience, you're still walking in agreement with God so you can convince yourself to stay on track. Don't lose patience when things don't go well. 
Don't lose patience when things aren't working out right. Don't lose hope and don't lose faith because there's trouble that comes your way. Listen, God has always utilized trouble, trials, and tribulation to build your character, to establish your faith, to make you stronger, and to give himself a chance to do something in your eyes so you can see that it's going to take him to help you. It's going to take God. I need God. I need God to help me. I need God to help me pastor this church. I am not the best pastor. There are other pastors that are better speakers than I am. There are other people out there that are better teachers than I am. But there's only one Bobby Rivera. Excuse me. I'm going to tell you what my daddy named me. There's only one Robert X. Rivera. The reason why I emphasize that. You remember when we used to write checks all the time? And you remember when we were more than doing the cards? Every time I wrote a check, Robert Rivera, they always told me, I can't accept your check because you have too many that are hot. And I said, hold on a second. It's Robert X. Rivera. Oh, you're okay, sir. Go ahead. There's about 10,000 Robert Rivera's in this town. I have no idea. So before you go out there and say, oh, no, Robert, Bobby Rivera, there's about 10 of them, 20 of them, 30 of them in this town. And they all, <laughs> Lord, forgive me for getting off track right now, God. I'm specific, but I'm also specific with the plans. I know the plans that he has for me to prosper me, to give me a future and a hope. I'm specific with that. So I am specific on everything. I don't think I overthink things. I think that sometimes I can overwork things without thinking them through. I think sometimes we can put the cart before the horse. But I think in the kingdom of God, when we realize God has a better plan, then we go to God and we come to God and we get understanding from God that we know what the game plan is. We understand exactly what God is trying to do. Joshua knew what the plan was. Okay? Then when things got off course and Achan came and took the treasure, put it in the tent, then there was trouble. Then Joshua knew what to do again. The plan changed. The things changed. Things happen. But when you are attentive to God's voice and God's thoughts and God's minds and realizes that he was the he was the originator. He was the one who actually gave me the plan. Then you go back to him when things aren't going according to plan. You go back to, in other words, you trust him. And so he told, he told Joshua, and he said that there's someone who has sin in the camp. And he narrowed it down, told him what to do, told him who it was. And then after that, all was well. There have been moments in my life where I realized that people have mistaken my identity or people have, have thought me to be something else or people looked at my plans or look what God had and said there's no way it can happen. And then we, f- we go through with the plan. And, and then as long as I'm doing God's will, then I know no matter what happens, I can't fail. I can't fail. So there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of confidence that you have when you know you're walking in the will of God. What is God's will for your life? What are you doing this for? Because God told me 
God told me this is what he wants to do. God wants to bless us. God wants us to live a better life. God wants us to conquer every one of our enemies. God wants us to do something that is going to change not just our destiny, but the destiny of our family. It's not much to get back on track with God, and it's not that complicated to follow somebody. When I'm following somebody, when I'm following somebody, if I'm up next to them, I'm not following them, I'm walking with them, okay? But there are times I walk with Jesus, but there are times he wants me to follow him. He wants to precede me. He wants to prepare the way. He wants to make things. The timing of God is everything. Timing is everything. There are other times he wants me to walk with him in a relationship. Other times I have to follow him. And in order to follow him, I have to be two steps behind. If I was one step behind, then we'd get our legs tangled up, right? If I was following you one step behind, true, leaders, true, true leadership has to make sure that whoever's following them is just two, two steps behind. Just two steps. We are always supposed to be at least two steps in back of our leaders. One of those steps is simply being able to hear the other one just being able to be obedient. That's it. Hear, hearing and obeying. Those two things. When God says go, you go. When God says stay, you stay. We receive our assignment. We receive our marching orders. But I'm, I'm, I'm building this for a reason and trying to build a, a, an understanding that disappointments are just another way of God saying, I have a better plan. When you're walking with God, you can't fail because he is always going to be just two steps ahead. And he'll always yeah. be right there with you the entire time. He's preceding you. He's in front of you. He's prepared a way for you. He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He is always in front of you. But here's the omniscience of God. Not only is he in front of you, he's in back of you and he's with you. But you see, to take two steps behind him means that I can't plan before he does. I have to know what the plan is. And he gives me permission. He gives us permission at times and says, okay, I told you what to do. Now it's up to you to, to do what I've said. And then God, just like he told Abraham, remember what he told Abraham? Well, Lot wanted the property too that God promised, but it wasn't promised to Lot. It was promised to Abraham. So Abraham knew that God had his back. Abraham knew, you know what? It doesn't matter what kind of property you take. You want the better property? You want that over there by the water? Go ahead, take it. Lot, you choose the best one. You choose the best piece of land. I'll choose whatever's left. Abraham knew God had his back. He wasn't following the competition. He wasn't following the, the negativity, and he didn't give in to the drama. He didn't give in to the greed. He didn't give in to any of that. He just stayed calm because God had a plan. But Abraham's most important, let me see, Abraham's goal, I believe, was to not get sidetracked by the drama. His goal was to make sure he was still two steps behind God. Staying calm, and he did. Lot, take it. He chose it. Then God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Okay, Abraham, now, do you see all of that? 
on the other side, he may have got a little nice piece of property. But everywhere your foot goes, as far as you can walk, I'm going to give you everything. You can't see it from here, but there are other rivers over there. You can't see it from here, but there are other pastures that are green. You can't see it from here, but there are more wells to be dug. God has a better plan. Even if someone tries to come in and take control of your plan. I believe everyone, every once in a while, deals with an Absalom. I don't know who this is for, but this is for somebody. Everyone in one point in your life deals with an Absalom. Someone who you feel like is a son that you have trusted that will try to come and take your blessings or rob you of your momentum or hurt you so bad that you feel like you feel like giving up, that you trust it. Don't make any hard, fast decisions. Don't try to move ahead because you feel like there's competition. You stay right where you're at. Listen to the voice of God. Do not respond in anger. Do not respond in any way. Stay calm. Trust your God because he has your back and he has a better plan. He has a better plan. So when God closed, you know what? I thank God for every closed door he has ever brought in my life. I thank God. When God shuts the door, that just simply, him, that to me, that's when he tells me, don't, you don't want to go there. I know it looked good. I, you remember that old show that, he's, you know, what's behind door number one or curtain number one, number two, number three? You remember that show, game show? And then when people pick the wrong one, they're like, oh, my God, I knew it was behind door number two. It's not a guessing game, folks. When God, when you're walking with God and following after him, he's the one that goes and says, nope, don't go in that door. Don't go in that door. Here's the door I've opened for you. And God opens up the door. Are you listening? God opens up the door. I never walk through a door that has my fingerprints on the knob, ever. God has to open up that door for me. Now, I'm going to walk, and if I know that's that door, I may knock on it. Not my fingerprints, right? <laughs> my knuckles. I'll knock on it because he said it. Ask, you shall receive. Then he said, knock. Then what did he say then? Then he said, the door will be open. Did he say, open the door? No, he said the door will be open. So there's nothing wrong with knocking on the door that God has for you. There's a perfect timing for that. There's a perfect timing for doors to be open. But you can't keep knocking on a door that you know is shut and locked. Locked. Had a nephew, my nephew, little Ricky, my nephew. When he was little, he had the... I don't know what he would, he was so little, my brother's son, he used to always um, go into the house. He had this thing about going into houses and taking doorknobs apart. I can always tell when he was at my mom's house, at grandma's house, all the doorknobs were missing. He, get, he found out how to use a little screwdriver, 
and he went to every door and undid all of them. Then he found out how to lock them. And so he used to always lock the door. <laughs> I have to share this story with you. I don't care if you think it's funny or not. It's funny to me. My brother, one morning, he woke up early. No one was awake. And so he got the bright idea since it was 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. Thank you, sir. He got the bright idea. You know what? I'm in my boxers. The newspaper, that was the day when the newspapers were thrown at your door. He went, he looked at the door. It was like right there. He said, nobody's around. It's 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to just go out there and get the newspaper real quick and come right back in. So he went out just a step, and I guess little Ricky woke up, and he shut the door. And, all he, and when he locked the door, he used to say, lock. And all he heard was, lock. My brother was outside in his thunder just in front of air. He couldn't get the door open. He was knocking on it all day. I mean, listen. <laughs> it's the little things in life that get you that you don't see and you're not aware of. Didn't the, didn't the Bible say it's a small spot, fox that spoiled the vine? And, and, and what, what the devil would love to do to some of us is, is to catch us behind a door we were never meant to go through and not supposed to go through, and that went into the wrong time, and you don't open up the door. You don't mess with the door. Be patient for the door. Who is here this Sunday morning? Why am I even on this? Because it's not even in my notes, but who is here that you're, you've been waiting for a door to open? You've been waiting for that opportunity to happen, but you don't know how and when it's going to happen. You're waiting patiently. You're almost getting discouraged because it's not happening. God will never open up a door until you are prepared to go through the door. There are two sides to a door. There are two sides to a door. It's when you are ready to walk in your destiny and you have been through enough hurt, you have been through enough pain, you have been through enough, uh, you, have, you have been scarred. Listen, you have to have skits, business people and, and people that, that want to have their business or leaders in this house. Let me tell every leader this. You have to have some skin in the game if you want to have a voice in the huddle. You have to have skin in the game if you want a voice in the huddle. So you have to have an experience on this side before you can su succeed on the other side and be heard and walk in authority. But you have to understand timing. So I'm going to get into this. I'm going to get into this. Uh, point number two, that there is no plan B. That means that just because we mess up, we fail, uh, doesn't mean that God has scratched off that entire plan. No. Look, can, I, can, I share, can I share something with you? It may surprise you. Did you, you, you didn't surprise God when you failed. God knew what he was getting when he saved you. <laughs> it's funny to me because sometimes we go to God and 
we, we, you know, when we mess up or sin or make a mistake and we go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And we feel bad about it because our conscience, you know, God is governing that and God is making us sensitive. But we go into God's presence and we're like, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I messed up real bad. And we'll spend an hour there. And then we'll spend the next day there. And then we're like, God, I've just been so good. I was doing so well. And finally you get it. And if you're there long enough, God's going to want you to learn one lesson from that. And you'll, it's like God comes in and he tells you, get up. You spent so much time here already. I knew you were going to fail before you even got started. I knew you were going to fall before you ever started walking. Did you expect your baby, when they took their first step, to go into a walkathon. God doesn't expect you at any level of your life, no matter what age you are, because honestly, we all have our, 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 our you can be 50 years old or 40 years old and still be a child of God. But it doesn't matter where you're at. God knew what was going to happen in your life before it ever happened. You, you never surprised God. You never surprised him. We don't surprise God when we fail. There is no plan B. God knew when, not if, but when we were going to fail. God knew. Now, now also, he saw every Delilah that came into your life. He saw every time you denied him and heard the rooster crow. He knew it. Didn't surprise him. He knew every time he's asked you to do something, and there you are jumping on a boat going away from Nineveh. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that, Lord, because everybody that I'm friends with aren't going to be my friends anymore. I'm not going that way, God, because in Nineveh they killed the prophets. I am not going to be killed. I'm not going to lose my friends, right? Some of us, so you know, sometimes God moves in your heart to even pray in public at the dinner table in a restaurant. God forbid, God, God forbid anybody see us praying at the restaurant at the dinner table. Oh, my God, all of you got quiet on me. Are you kidding me? Y'all pray in the restaurants? Okay, I'm just asking. Now, I don't want to make a doctrine out of it or anything. I don't want to make a religious thing out of it. But I've had people come up to me one time, give me free appetizers because they saw me praying with my kids and say, one, one, little, one waitress came up to me one time and said, Daddy, I'm going to give you free appetizers because I don't ever hardly see any more daddies praying with their children anymore. I'll take it. <laughs> I didn't say, oh, it's just all the Lord. Just the Lord. No, that's okay, sister. You don't even go to church. It's okay, sister. God's good. Not me. Shoot. I'll take it. I'll take the onion rings. Got good onion rings here. I know. Got good onion rings here. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, I, when I ask God to bless me, I receive every blessing, but I'm always thankful to God. That's all I'm saying. I'm always thankful to God. The worst thing you can do when somebody wants to bless you is go, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. I've, I've stopped that a long time. I used to do that all the time. I'll say it one time, but after that, if you really mean it, I'm going to let you. 
Why? Because God and this journey that I'm on and the journey that you're on, it's going to be people that want to bless you to get you to the next level sometimes. It's going to be people that want to speak into your life. But you have to receive it and say, Lord, when you say, God bless me, you're going to have to allow people to bless you. How do you think God's going to bless you? It's going to be through people. It's going to be through circumstances. It's going to be your boss. I mean, when your boss comes up to you and he says, I want to give you a raise, do you go, oh, no, no, no. No. Nombre, jefe, no worries. I work for free. Whatever. Work for free. Right? No way. I'd say, go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. I take it. I'm still talking Spanish. I take it. I need God to have my back. See, when I'm walking, when I'm walking in the will of God, there's no fear. I am completely given my future to God. My plans are only in accordance to what he has planned for me. Anything I do, we pray about, right? But see, most of us are so scared to step outside the will of God, we don't do anything. That's not God's will. You have to do something, and you learn from mistakes. Abraham made a mistake, and he went to Hagar. Listen, I want to help you. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make all the mistakes you have to early. Do them as quick as you can. Just try it. I'm telling you, God, I'm not saying you purposely go out and you purposely mess up. I'm saying you take a chance. You take a risk. You do something that's going to make a difference. You push it a little bit more. If it's not opening to you, it's not time. But don't sit there and do nothing. Because you won't get anything accomplished. You have to make mistakes. Now, Abraham made mistakes. He went to Hagar, and it was supposed to be Sarah. But God blessed both nations, Ishmael and Isaac. The reason why God, here's the difference. God will bless both, even your mistakes sometimes. But he won't make his covenant only with one that's in the will of God. Abraham prayed God that you would bless Ishmael. And he said, yes, I will bless Ishmael. I will. And thank you for that, Abraham. Now we have to deal with all these knuckleheads. Right? Anyhow, we all make mistakes. I'll bless Ishmael. But I'm going to bless Isaac. But I'm only going to make my covenant with Isaac because he has the right mother. He blessed both of them. But only one was the valid, only one was valid with the covenant. Even when we make mistakes, sometimes in our ignorance, God still blesses our mistakes. But the covenant represents protection, restoration, recovery. God's host. But don't be afraid to make a move. God's got your back. He'll help you. Let me, let me draw this out for you. I want to give you an example. So let me read this. Let me read this. Thank the Lord 
He always puts a plan into effect, a plan that includes our failures. He knows what we're going to do. He knows the mistakes we're going to make. That there's no surprising God. There's no surprising God. I want to draw this out for you a little bit, so hopefully you can see this in the back. I want to give you a kind of a kind of an idea what all this really means. This is the kairos of God. Everyone say kairos. kairos. And this well, I think I spelled chronological I mean for chronos. That's the Greek word. I'm saying for there chronos. And this is the chronos of God. Oops. That's okay. You can see that, right? Can y'all see that? Yes. Okay. Now, th this is what I want to show you. In God's time frame, in God's time frame, what you have, you have three areas. You have the past, you have the present, and you have the future. So let me do this. Past. present, oops, and you have future. Okay, now, this chronos of time is called chronological timing. This is chronological timing. That's what We've developed as human beings from, you know, 12 midnight to 12 in the afternoon, and we chronologically have established our time frames according to the sundial and how it all originated. This is the time frame that we deal with, and there are different time zones throughout the world, okay? In America, we deal with, you know, uh, Central Standard Time. Uh, we deal with Eastern, EST and PST and all that, but... This is our life. This is where we live. And here's your journey. And while you're on the journey, and while you're living through, through, your, through your time, from when you're born all the way to this present time, you have to realize one thing. You may be in a place called, between, called in between, between your present and your future. But God is already, through kairos of time, through eternal timing. That's the difference. God's time is called kairos of time, which means eternity. God lives in eternity, and this is very hard for you to fathom because you are limited in this one space right here. You cannot be, as a human being, you cannot be, except through the Spirit, be in this place here. This is where the gifts of prophecy come in, where we prophesy. The gift of knowledge, I'm just getting off course to help you understand. The gift of knowledge actually resides here. 
in the past. See, when you operate in a gift of knowledge, you're referencing something that happened in the past. That's why it helps somebody when you talk to them to operate in the gifts. You, you don't have to be super spiritual, wear a halo, and have wings to operate in the gifts. You have to have a love for God and a love for people. Somebody asked me one time, what do you have to have in order to operate in the gift of healing? Sick people. And a love for God and a love for people. So when you're operating in this moment, you are operating in the spirit for knowledge. And then because knowledge lifts a person's faith, you can now inject what God will normally do. Most of the time, this is what God will do. He will now give a gift of prophecy. But see, the only reason we can operate in that way is because we tap in the present into the Kairos moment because God is in our past, he's in our future, and he's now in our present. Do you understand that? Okay. Now, while we are living life, you gave God your past, you're now trusting God with your future. And while you are in between, God is already right here. He's already preparing a place for you. He's ultimately, that is heaven, right? But before that time, God has already got all things worked out. He's already got the right people in place. He's already got has the right job, the right business, the right uh, customer base. He's got the right leads. He's got everything for you right here. And for the single people, he's got the right person right here too. And for, for those of you going into college, he's got the right career for you. And here we are, we get so worried because we can't see. But if we trust God with our future, knowing he's already there, the connection we have from him from past experiences in the very present moment that you've already been in will give you security to move forward. So when God begins to work in your life in the future, when you fail, let's say right here is a failure. Guess what? Because you give God your actual present and your past, Kairos of time steps in right there and says, that's okay, just start over. Start over. So what? You messed up. I've got your back because you gave me your past and you trust me with your future and I know where you're going. I already knew this was going to happen. But when you step outside the will of God, you step outside the chronos plan of God. You step outside that moment, the will of God involves the chronos of time with God. And you purposely, this, this doesn't happen all the time. But you see, most of us get sidetracked, right? Most of us get busy with life. Most of us, sometimes we, we feel like we stop. But th that's okay. God allows you to get back on course. But for the people that are constantly saying to God, I know what you got planned for me. I'm not going to go that route. I don't want to do that. You can keep on doing that and brushing God off. It won't be long. God will leave you alone. Trust me, doesn't mean he stopped loving you. It doesn't mean that he'll he just won't try to convince you to get back on track. And eventually, well, you can change your mind if you like to. But before that happens, 
God will bring a storm or something to allow you, or you, let me put it to you this way, you will enter into a storm and you'll find out you really need God even to survive the storm. Yeah. Now, look, Jonah knew he was supposed to go to Nineveh, and he went the opposite direction. The chronos in the timeline for God and the plan was go to Nineveh, but he stepped outside and went the other direction. Therefore, in the other direction, there was a ship, there was a storm, and there was a fish that what? God prepared for him. We always like to say a whale, but it, we don't, it didn't say that in the scripture it was a whale. It says a fish, a big fish. He didn't go off track so much. He knew if Jonah had said, Lord, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go. He could have lied to the people that were on that ship, everyone. He could have lied to them. He could have told them. He could have told them all and said, hey, you know what? I don't know what's going on with this weather. It's bad, right? I don't know. But he told them and he said, if you'll take me and throw me off the ship, you're all going to be okay. I'm a prophet of God. I'm running away from the will of God. A heart of repentance is always necessary. Never overlook your failures or, your, or where you've fallen short. Don't allow pride to get a hold of you. But the very moment that he told them and repented and was honest is that very moment that the fish that God prepared. It didn't say that God spoke it into existence. That fish, since it was born, that fish, since it was in the sea, God sent food to it. God prepared it. God was feeding that thing until it got to a rightful size. And then when they threw him off the boat, that fish got him and spit him out on the shore. You know what that means? That means that even a person, even a person, that's not in the will of God, tastes spoiled to fish. Not tasty. Even a, even a fish doesn't want someone out of the will of God. But God prepared a fish. You know, it didn't look like it, but God had his back. God had his back. And God used that one moment. Even Jesus said later on, like Jonas was in the mouth of the, of the fish and went down to the depth of the earth, so will the Son of Man also rise again on the third day. God used that moment. Even Jesus reflected on that moment and said, hey, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and, and, and I'm going to rise up again, and God's going to use me because God can take every failure and use it for his glory. Somebody repeat this after me. All things, All things work, together work together for good, for good. to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Somebody give him some praise right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm going to leave it white. That is where you have to trust him. Folks, put your future in his hands. Put your future in his hands. Let, let, me, let, me, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you and tell you, God, back God's plan, and God's plan will back you. 
Back God's plan, and God's plan will back you. You want life to be easier? Let, whether you take it, the scripture says a sinful life is, is hard. But it doesn't say living for God is ever going to be easy, but it's much easier when you know you have a gigantic God with gigantic love, with unlimited mercy to come in and pick you up every single time. David said this. Listen to what David said. He said, I saw the prosperity of the wicked and I almost slipped and fell and backslid because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But then he said, then I went to the house of the Lord and understood the end thereof. What he said was this. Read the scripture in the Psalms. What he meant was that God's people have a redemption plan. But for the wicked, there is no plan. That's why God said he's even prepared the wicked for the day. But you see, people who don't follow God are people that aren't going to be redeemed by God. But people, but people that are walking according to God's plan, there's redemption, there's mercy. So David said again, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. That's where I know to get redemption. That's where I know to make up my make up for my failures. That's when I know when I got off track. David was so good at this. Even when he, listen, it's not like he did a like thing whenever he killed a, 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 a woman's husband and committed adultery with her and she gave up son and she was pregnant. My God, it was a bad ordeal. But David knew how to repent and not just go blindsided by it and not, and not just say, you know what? I didn't do it. But yeah, I did it, but so what? David went and said, Lord, my sin is ever before me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. My sin is ever before me, dear God. But Lord, above all things, don't take your spirit from me. That's the kind of heart this man had. He put his future in God's hands. God had his back. When you commit your works to the Lord and everything you do is tied to the kingdom, I promise you, God has a plan. God has already prepared something for He knew where you were walking. He knew, he knew exactly where we would trip up. He, knew ex he knows exactly where we make our mistakes. I'm not perfect, everyone. I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. I have made judgments. I have we're all, but you see, one thing you can honestly say about me is that I don't sit still. I'm not going to sit still and, and not pray and not seek God and not do anything. The best thing you can do is continually trust him, continually act. And if you're wrong, listen, a good father corrects you, he instructs you, and he teaches you. But you, you, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to be rebellious. It's not okay to have an attitude. It's okay to make a good, honest mistake when you're trying to do the right thing, even if it's the wrong time. If you reach out for the, to the doorknob and try to reach out the wrong time, God's hand will slap it. Until you know, thank God, if you're tender enough, you can feel it and you can hear his voice, not timed. A denial a delay is not a denial. A delay is not a denial. God's got your back.
put your future in his hands it's never too late get back on track get back to praying get back to reading God's word get back to worshiping get back to doing what you were meant to do get back on track and you'll feel in your spirit that ugly feeling of being in the fish's belly leave you it's a terrible feeling a dark place but when he gurgitates you out when sin decides to let go of you there's a refreshing that comes and there's a clarity that comes and the end result was this and Jonah's life he went to Nineveh and he gave the message it was so simple in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed they took it to heart and they repented they fasted they fasted and God changed his mind and and Jonah was so surprised he didn't know what to do he was even upset about it at one point because God said he God fulfilled his promise it was surprising to him don't be surprised when God does it because listen there's more to it God is so big he has so much more for you but I promise you he will protect you he will protect you he will protect you don't be afraid take a risk come on don't live life through mediocrity get above the norm what I'm trying to tell you this Sunday morning is God's got your back dream big again believe God again believe God again step out by faith commit to God again commit to God again and get out there and start worshiping and start following him and start doing what God's called you to do because it's not over it's not over yet you're still breathing you're still talking you're still worshiping you're still loving on him he still loves you come on stand to your feet just for a moment our mission here at covenant life center is to help our world live give and love like Jesus if our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.